When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Podcast brought to you by the one and only Drafting Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Craig Morgan. Steve Peters is on his way to an I'll just say an undisclosed location. Just kidding. He's going to Connecticut. He's probably on his second flight of the day, which I'm sure is bringing him so much joy. How many flights does he have today? He said it was like a 10-hour travel day. At least two flights. Uh, Hopefully he has better luck getting there than Craig and I had getting to Montreal Mm, for the draft. But that's for another day. But we're really excited. Hockey season is pretty much here. And we're going to start looking ahead at all of the various divisions around the NHL. Today, we're very excited to bring in Toronto Maple Leafs writer for Sports Illustrated Media Group, David Alter. David, welcome to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, Dave, we're going to get right down to brass tacks here for you. This is not a softball question right out of the gate here, uh, but let's start with the obvious. You probably know where I'm going with this. Can the Maple Leafs escape the first round of the playoffs this year? (laughs) Something that hasn't happened since Facebook was launched. Yeah, and I love that stat that you figured out. Like when it comes to years, that kind of just speaks to how old I'm getting to. Yeah, you know what? Look, they very well could. I thought they would do it last year or the year before, at least with Montreal, but um, it's tough. Like the core is pretty much the same. There are competitors in the division who did get a little bit better. Um, But I mean, the nuts and bolts of the team are pretty much the same, like 114 points, uh, 54 wins, uh, franchise records in both. Uh, there's no reason for the Leafs to not be competitive and be one of the top teams there and then kind of figure it out and use this regular season to to figure out what that edge is that's missing uh, to finally get through it, whether it's not running into the defending Stanley Cup champs at the time or not getting upset by one of the worst teams in the NHL uh, <laughs> in the previous year. Uh, there's just so much that has to be figured out in that regard. And... Um, yeah, for the Maple Leafs, 
that's been the million dollar question. And I, and I know it's not the direct answer, but we'll see. There's no reason why they shouldn't. Odds makers have them pretty high up and the team is pretty much the same. And, you know, if you looked at everything in a vacuum, you could say that that, that series against Tampa was a bit of a coin toss in terms of how it played out. So I think they will, but I thought they would this year too. So it's tough. It's a, it's a really tough question. They're going to need some luck on their side, but they've had so much luck the other way that I feel like it's going to... Uh, <laughs> That's how we feel it, it about the Coyotes work. and the draft lottery. <laughs> right, right, right. Reversion to the mean, right? Exactly. So we already know we like you because I think we just saw a dog wandering in the background. Yes. So oh, yeah, you're a dog. That's my Siberian Husky. She, uh, wow, okay. Yeah, so, it's, uh, my, my folks' house. And I was in Traverse City for Prospects Camp. And I drove back late yesterday to get to the Leafs of Vail today. And my parents were nice enough to look after her. And if I tried to close the door on her, she would whimper. So she's yeah, going right. to make the howlers. She's going to make the random appearance, but she's wolf-like, which is appropriate for this podcast. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> so makes sense. just one follow-up question on that. And obviously Leah grew up in Toronto. I've been there many times. I understand Toronto is hockey mecca, in my opinion. I know how much the Maple Leafs are in, in interwoven into the fabric of that community, but just how how much angst does this create for, for Maple Leafs fans, the fact that they haven't been able to slay this demon? I think it's now starting to border on potential apathy, and that's probably the, <laughs> the scariest part. Um, what, what surprised me... And I said this to some other people and younger fans who haven't, who are, who aren't around my age, I'm, I'm 40, um, but a younger fans who didn't live through the last time they, they got through a playoff round and are just kind of used to this were able to kind of look at things rationally and say, they couldn't have done anything different and I'm okay with running it back. And I really thought there would be more outrage about what had happened. Just given that the benefit of the doubt from what happened against Montreal, where they got upset by a, a, a like a, not as good of a team was, um, you know, a bit of a problem. So uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, that's the scary part. Like there's angst and I see it on Twitter, but in real people are just kind of like, well, the leaf for you. Hot shots are going to be taken left, right and center about this team. And, um, you know, until they do something different, it's going to be up to them to really change the narrative really like that. They've talked about wanting to do that, but it's going to be really up to them. And, you know, the hype going into the season was just not there. There wasn't a lot for them to kind of change. So everyone just kind of like, yeah, wake me up when when the season starts and then when the playoffs begin, really. So we'll dive into all the teams in the Atlantic in a little bit. You know, we still want to ask more about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's so fascinating. And I know a lot of our listeners keep tabs on the goings on in Toronto. But um, talking about the offseason moves that were made this season significantly in goal, Jack Campbell left to go to the Oilers and the, uh, the Leafs brought in Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. What do you think about that move um, in net for the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know, when it first happened, when they first got uh, Matt Murray and they made that deal, I kind of thought, okay, where are they going with this? Because this is a bit of a risk. But um, when they got Ilya Samsonov back, it kind of made it seem like they have a better tandem, but not a better starter, if that makes any hmm. sense. Like they yeah, don't really have a go-to person who can kind of take it by the reins. But, you know, outside of the first couple of months of last season, Jack Campbell 
did really struggle toward that final stretch. And that kind of gave the Maple Leafs pause in terms of turn to committing to that kind of position. So it was less about believing in Matt Murray and, and Ilya Samsonov necessarily as like the solution as that it's not substantially different, but without as much to commit to uh, someone like a Jack Campbell that could end up working out great for the Oilers at five times five, but could be a mistake too. I mean, it's a big gamble with term. That's what those goalies are getting, but the Leafs have always been of the mind that, you know, if their defense is strong and their forwards are good and they can look at some of the underlying numbers, which Matt Murray has kind of performed well in the pressure situations, which the Leafs are lacking, uh, that it could work, but it was, it was really all about cap it was number one. As we talked about, like uh, the least core four players, including Austin Matthews, have contracts coming up in a couple of years. Uh, so it's it's really about do they really want to have five million on the books for someone that they're not sure of, and that's really what it came down to. Do you think that they stick with this tandem by the time the season ends, or do you think they might look to change at some point? Well. I think they're going to have to hope that one of the two at least takes the bull by the horns, right? Like uh, they'll, they'll split at, at first and then see who's kind of running away with it. Sam Solov performed decently with Washington. He just got hurt. Like all the reports are is that he, have the two, he has the tools to be a goalie and he's, he's seasoned in that regard. Um, but uh, I, I think in the playoffs, if I had to pick the two and Matt Murray was playing more like he did down the stretch in the last few months with Ottawa – and with a team that plays well defensively like Toronto does, it's plausible that, you know, they kind of struggle and they kind of have makeshift positions and goal. The same percentage isn't going to be great. But then when, when it comes time to really perform, someone like a Matt Murray can, you know, perform in those situations and make the big saves that don't necessarily get reflected in the stats. Like in the playoffs, there were a couple of soft goals from Jack Campbell in both of those playoff years that could have changed the tide with everything. And it's tough because with goalies in the regular season, you just don't know what you have until they're playoff and battle tested. And the Leafs haven't really had more than a first round in the last <laughs> six years with them. They really kind of figure out what they're kind of made of in that regard. So, yeah. you know, the one thing I know it's a long answer, but uh, the one thing that was clear with everybody that they got, even Sam Solonov, was playoff experience was paramount. And they yeah. did it with every person they added this year had some form of playoff experience. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Well, let's look further at that uh, with any of the other additions or even the subtractions. Do those, any of those move the media for you, Kelly Yarncroc, any others? What, what are your thoughts on the other moves for the Leafs? Yarncroc is an interesting one. The, the problem with the Leafs right now, when I look at them compared to some of the other teams around the league, if you want to look at why maybe they haven't had the success is because, you know, you need your, you need like at least a second line or better skilled rough guy. So like a Tom Wilson comes to mind or like with Washington or, um, you know, like different Ryan Reeves is an excellent example of that. Someone who can show the skill when needed, but um, is generally what the enforcer role is kind of matured to now. And Yarn Croak seems to be that that piece that they're trying as the 
as a mid-six aggressive four-checker but has a bit of a physical edge to him, that might be able to work. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it didn't necessarily go well in Calgary. They did have him at center. It sounds like they would probably try him on the wing when camp opens up uh, in a couple days. But, um, yeah, like, it moved the needle for me more so because I noticed that they signed him to four years and threw in a lot of signing bonus money, which was uh, Kyle Dubas' playbook pre-COVID in terms of unloading contracts by making them better cash value deals. And so... Um, yeah, like other than that, it, it's that's that speaks to why the hype isn't as huge in the soft season because it really hasn't been that big splash, nor can there be because the Leafs just don't really have the space and the cap has been moderately flat with the exception of the one million it went up this season. So we want to ask you about Michael Bunting because, of course, he came up through the Arizona Coyote system. Coyotes fans loved him. I think we're really disappointed to see him leave, but also happy for him at the same time that he had the success that he did um, in Toronto. So what is your assessment of Michael Bunting? He had a really great regular season, but just an okay postseason. What's your assessment of Michael Bunting? Yeah, I like, look, he's worked out really great. Uh, it's probably the best production divided by dollar amount the Leafs had last year. Uh, when you look at it, if, if you want to create that kind of metric, 950000 and he moves his way all, all the way up to playing on the first line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And he has the chemistry on and off the ice. They hung out together in Arizona for a week um, just to kind of get a feel for where uh, Austin trains. I mean, obviously, Michael's done that before, but Mitch really hasn't. And um, it was kind of a, hey, come back and let's let's go hang. And, you know, that kind of chemistry is really great. Um, I think that um, when the Leafs started last season, they tried Nick Ritchie. They tried a whole bunch of different spots. They had Michael Bunting play on all four lines. And it wasn't until he kind of moved up there that he, you know, he, he, he became that pest that the Leafs need in that spot. They lost Zach Hyman before to the Edmonton Oilers, and um, there was questions about how they would fill that spot on the left side. And, yeah, he's worked out really great. He was motivated to play in his hometown. Uh, didn't let the pressures of that get to him, which I thought was pretty great. You don't typically see that in Toronto. Um, so, you know, when we talk about Austin Matthews, will he stay or whatever, having guys that are around and locked up, even though it's flung more rare, someone like a Michael Bunting, finding that chemistry is so important for the feel uh, for where they're going to perform. And going back to that playoffs point, you know, he got hurt in the final game of the season. We actually talked to him today, the Leafs were holding their golf tournament. And uh, he mentioned that that injury that he had, you know, he probably should have sat out more, but it was the playoffs. He was going to come back. Didn't mm-hmm. play in game one, played games two through seven. And it looked like he didn't necessarily, like he didn't look like he wasn't fully 100%, that maybe that makes the difference. You know, there were a lot of different things that could have gone either way. A healthy Michael Bunting would have been for sure because when he was performing it the way he did, it just worked out so well. And I don't think anyone thought that that small sample size of the worlds in that last few games with the Coyotes would translate into this productive success where he really is the guy that makes space for the other two guys, but can score as well. David, with all the pressure that anyone associated with the Leafs faces, how long are the respective leashes for Sheldon Keefe? Is he in the last year of his deal, by the way? And and Kyle yes. Dubas as well. Okay. 
Yeah, they both, uh, the Dubas one hasn't been confirmed, but it's believed to be that he's in his final year. Uh, and we know that Sheldon is because uh, he got that two-year extension right. um, going into the previous season when he was kind of, you know, wasn't sure there. So um, it's it's a little has the long leash is Brendan Shanahan. He signed a six-year extension back in 2019. And we've seen it in other Canadian markets where like a Bradtree Living went in as a lame duck. Uh, and and these kind of contract situations, it doesn't sound like they're limited in, in terms of anything that they're able to do. It, it, it sounds like they still have the keys to kind of maneuver everything. And when the Leafs cap situation is what it is, I don't see who you would put in to kind of fix what it is right now. When you have the points record, the playoffs record, that's an important thing for the Leafs, despite the playoff, the lack of playoff success. Um, but I think Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas, for the most part, are kind of with one in the same in terms of if they're around or not. Uh, Sheldon Keefe is Kyle Dubas's guy. He was in the OHL. He was in the AHL. And... Um, yeah, but the, going into this final year to have a GM like Kyle Dubas having to make those decisions without the extension, it's a little tough. But to be honest with you, outside of one player that has yet to sign, there isn't really much to do. So, you know, the trade deadline will really show what he can and can't do. And uh, Sheldon Keefe, the pressure was on him when the Leafs started 3-4-1. and one, But... Um, performed pretty well after that. And I, I don't think the Leafs are quick to pull the trigger just given how well they have been in the regular season. But uh, there is a microscope for sure with those two guys going into this year that there really is no excuse this time. I thought that last year, but there really shouldn't be an excuse this time. Um, your core is still in its prime and other teams are on their way down. You've got to figure mm-hmm. yourself out there. So the hot seat is there, but we'll see. David, Coyotes fans take a lot of grief for a lot of things. The one thing that Coyotes fans have on Toronto Maple Leaf fans is giving everybody grief about Austin Matthews, you know, maybe leaving either at the end of this contract or a future contract to come home and play for his hometown team, the Arizona Coyotes. So genuinely, from your point of view, what is the fear level of Austin Matthews leaving as a free agent after his contract ends in 2024? I think the fear level is moderate to high. Uh, it seems to kind of change based on the given day. Um, one thing I noticed was comparisons were made with him and Matthew Kachuk, who's another American who left Canada or, or decided he didn't want to extend, and and that kind of made a move. And so some were suggesting, well, that's just going to increase that fear level because an American wants to go there and not extend I don't get that same sense that Austin Matthews is of that type. I really think that number one for him is where he sees the direction of the team. And that could be why there is this waiting period to see what's happening this year, because if someone like a Kyle Dubas can't get it done and they decide to move on and they have to figure out, then their number one responsibility at that point is how do they keep Austin Matthews and who's the GM making that decision? That's, that's really the, the interesting part there. So, uh, yeah, we see it all the time. I, I get 
mentions and replies tons, <laughs> like with Austin in a Arizona jersey, <laughs> uh, photoshops. Um, but yeah, I, I really do think number one for him is winning. Uh, I mean, home is nice, but if he likes the direction of the Leafs, I, I think he would stick around for a long time. But the direction has kind of been flat right now. I wrote the most innocuous Q&A with Austin when he was out here a couple summers ago, literally just about coming home, how he liked skating with the Coyotes, how he loved Arizona. And the replies <laughs> to it were it was just like I, I, I went the entire spectrum of, you know, wherever Leafs fans were on, you know, on the psychological scale, just crazies <laughs> who were like found every, every, every scenario led to him leaving. If the Leafs win a cup. He's going to leave because he's accomplished what he's done. If they don't win a cup, he's going to leave because he doesn't feel like he can get it done in Toronto. <laughs> Whatever happens, he's going to Arizona. It was it was wild yeah, to be a part where, of that. Like, people just need to meditate a little and just stay <laughs> yeah. away from the for a little bit yeah. because, like, this sounds like the, just what they teach you about catastrophizing every situation, <laughs> and it's just not productive, right? Yeah. Like, um, I see it. And, like, I look, I love the Leafs fans' fervor. It's what allows me to keep doing my job. I do. Um, but a lot of times it's just like, okay, hang on a second. Like nothing's happened yet. Wait, yeah. like, wait, there's time. People are already talking about an extension when he's not eligible for it. Right. Like they, like the rule is like, they can't even talk to him about it or, or even start that till July 1, 2023. And everyone's already like making blanket decisions about what's going to happen. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it speaks to the frustration, just not not accomplishing much despite having all the talent there. It, it really does start to hurt some Leaf fans when they like, you know, they like the core, they like a lot of the other decisions, they're playing really well, analytically everything looks good. But then for one reason or another, uh, they become the butt of a joke, like it seems. Like um, there's references to it all the time. And so, but that's really going to be them. Like that, they have to perform. Like they can make that complaint that it's the market, but there's bigger, there's big markets everywhere. Like you really just kind of know, you, they learn how to shield this stuff out and just get the job done. And so, you know, in game six last year, Austin Matthews hits the post. We're not talking about this right now. So, so, and I think people are a little bit more calm about the, he's for sure going to leave narrative. So, yeah, so I think it's just going to depend on this season and who's in charge and what kind of year he has as well. That's important. I mean, he's gone up every year. There's no reason to suggest that won't be the case again. Uh, but, yeah, Austin Matthews, that, that contract a lot of people didn't like. It was very, very unusual at the time to only lock up one year of UFA, and that's really what a lot of people hang on to. Yeah, I know Coyotes fans will be watching his performance this season for sure. Um, okay, well, now we're going to move on to the rest of the Atlantic. And before we do, let's check out how the uh, teams finished in the 2021-2022 season. Florida took home the Atlantic. Toronto, they're in second, just seven points behind, followed by the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, and then as playoff teams. And then following that, the Buffalo Sabres, who our producer Sean is from Buffalo, so he is very Happy to be talking about them today. Um, the Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators, and of course the Montreal Canadiens rounding out the bottom. Uh, that point disparity from the top to the bottom, 122 to 
Yikes. D5, I mean, last season in the East in general was just a crazy with the number of teams hitting that 100-point plateau. Um, so that was last season. And right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, looking at the odds for this season, Toronto actually has the best odds to win the Atlantic Division at the moment on the DraftKings Sportsbook app at plus 170, followed by Florida, Tampa Bay, Boston, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, and then Montreal down at the bottom, plus 20,000. So again, huge disparity, <laughs> but between Toronto and Florida, it's only you know a small difference. But those odds are on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So as you're listening to us talk to David previewing this division, if you're getting a sense of maybe we want to throw some money on a team to win a division, I would definitely recommend doing so over at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, NFL Week 2 has been really exciting so far. We watched the Cardinals completely come back from a 20-point deficit last night, win in overtime. That was an exciting game. So there's lots of ways to win money on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code PHNX. And minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm pretty sure a few of those early win promotions got paid out for both teams um, mm-hmm. early yesterday. So lots of ways to win money. And David, we actually just moved to a brand new office here in downtown Phoenix. And I know you can't see it right now, but we have it completely furnished. It's super nice. We have a viewing area with three TVs so we can possibly watch the Coyotes and then stream the Toronto Maple Leafs on the other one, keep tabs on Austin Matthews. Um, And all the furniture in our office is provided by More Furniture. So if you want to spruce up your home, you can check out More Furniture's fall sale at morefurniture.com. All right. Let's dive in to the rest yeah. of the Atlantic. And let's start with the team that just won't seem to go away. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, who played a, a prominent role in the Toronto Maple Leaf season last year. I uh, want to get your thoughts on where things are going. We, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple seasons about the depth of of the Lightning. Of course, they've had the stars at the top. Do they have the, the depth, particularly up front, to sustain this? And they got back to the cup final last year with a, a remade fourth line again. Our age and attrition of that depth finally going to catch up with Tampa now that it has finally fallen short of winning a cup. It might. I mean, that that's a pretty devastating loss. Uh, no team had really won three in a row since the Islanders did it in the late 70s, early 80s when they did four. And they got so close to being that first three-peat team uh, that's probably the worst way for it to end where you can't even preserve the body uh, because that's a very short off season to kind of get your skating back. You're not really doing celebrations, so you can kind of go back and figure it out, but that's got to take its toll. That's three consecutive years of playing in, into late June, given the way the pandemic had adjusted the schedule. So um, it's tough. I mean, they've got a lot of great players, I still wouldn't count them out for a lot of stuff. Uh, They seem to be really good at plugging in their role players and them buying into that system. You saw it with someone like Corey Perry. Like Corey Perry jumped in and was like a perfect fourth-line center who produced in the playoffs. I mean, he always does. But with Tampa, it's it's another low-salary player that they just were like, okay, here's our fourth line. We need these people. They they just seem to figure out the right pieces in that regard. 
um, where the debt doesn't hurt as much because they've just spread out, whether it's the tax benefit of, of the state or whatever, they, or, or accepting less of a cap hit, that they've managed to at least keep more of their core together. So there probably will be a bit of a drop off, but in the regular season, like I, I still expect them to be up there. Um, it it probably will be on a decline a little bit. I mean, they were third in that 2021 season, but they didn't have a, um, they didn't have Kucherov and I believe Stamkos either, right? So there was that, and then they had some other injuries, and then they all came back. Where they just seem to be in the right mode, where they'll still compete, but you know the regular season. They know is not the priority. They know the template for success. They know they have to play hard throughout the regular season. But, you know, if they go on a road trip and only take two out of four or three out of four, not a big deal. It happens across the league. So uh, I still expect them to make the playoffs. I still expect them to compete. Uh, but they might be in for a tougher challenge in the playoffs, just given the wear and tear that's happened over the last three years. I mean, that's got to take its toll on ev- on everybody there and, uh, but John Cooper is the X factor. I wouldn't put anything past him. I thought they were dead to rights after game three and four against the Leafs. And uh, it was just the switch was flicked right there. So we'll see. Um, same question sort of about Boston. They have they were very competitive for cups in the early 2010s and their um, core is kind of aging out as well. So curious about your take on Boston and also the your take on the firing of Bruce Cassidy and hiring of Jim Montgomery as well. Yeah, so I mean, I didn't like I didn't like the timing of when they did it. I didn't mind that they decided to go with someone else in the room. It seems to be like without knowing the inner workings of another team, it's this is more commonplace now where a change of voice is just going to happen on a switch. But what I didn't like is that they 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 let him kind of wait for a long period of time. Now, granted, it didn't hurt. He he ended up getting a job with Vegas pretty quickly, but it could have. Like that's you don't do right by the person if you can't make your decision early enough. Mm. Uh, I know San Jose did similar things, right? So um, it, it's tough. Um, I I'm not surprised. I I do think that maybe they thought you know if your core is your core and there really isn't much you can do then changing the voice in there is probably going to be uh, the best part of that. And in Montgomery, I mean, he had success with Dallas before he had to leave the team. And uh, I think he's done enough in his personal life that, you know, he can inspire his players that way. Um, and, I, and I think that will be a great story for them should they manage to push. But they might be a wild card team because – you had core guys that didn't make decisions till very late if they were going to return or not. And then that kind of just, you know, you wondered if the fire was still there and that's something they're going to have to continue to prove. What do you make of the Florida Panthers moves? Uh, this, this was a, obviously a fascinating trade, uh, the, the kind of trade that we just don't see that often in the NHL. And we, we can talk from the Calgary angle, but um, specifically with Florida, you're, you're willing to, give up Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger, who's a terrific defenseman. I don't think enough people appreciate how good he is to bring in Matthew Kachuk. You also had Paul Maurice as, as your coach. What do you make of this team, which of course had a, an incredible regular season, won the division, but flamed out against the, their in-state rivals? Yeah. Well, so I looked at that when you were showing the board there, 122 points, best team president's trophy winners, 
they'd get the job done. And I remember when they got, when they lost four in a row to Tampa, I believe it was swept, but they lost four in a row. I started looking back in the last four years and I, and I came across an interesting stat, which was at the last four President's Cup trophy winners had all lost four consecutive playoff games en route to elimination. Whether it was hmm. like a sweep or win the first two and then lose the next four. And I think that kind of tells you something that if you have one type of play and you're playing and you don't go through any sort of adversity, it could be very difficult to react to what was working for you before is suddenly not anymore. So... Um, I like that. I like that Florida went for it, realizing that they need a skilled player who has an edge, similar to what we talked about earlier in the show, and that might translate to fewer points in the standings, but might better set them uh, set themselves up for playoff success. And so they realized pretty quickly that what they were doing the regular season, while a good accomplishment wasn't enough like the firepower alone is not enough to win championships and you have to have a little bit of everything and what um what uh florida decided was that you know matthew kachuk is that missing ingredient someone who's got the skill can play on top lines but also has an edge to him and puts fear into the opponents like you always hear it in any interview like i'm so glad i don't have to play him he's not in our division anymore you know things like that when you get those kind of comments you know it's there so like they they're they're kind of in for it so they they added some much needed intimidation but he's got the skill for it it cost them quite a bit um it was a unnerving situation for calgary but i like what they managed to get out of him and then adding Nazem Kadri kind of fulfills that edge spot there that it kind of worked out for both sides, even though this wasn't necessarily the route we were going to go. But I think that should give teams like Toronto and, and, and other ones in the Atlantic division some real pause because that is a very different player with an edge. Toronto saw a lot of Matthew Kachuk in the all-Canadian division, and um, he was a factor, no doubt. So uh, it, it's, it, it's certainly something where Florida may not get 122 points, but I, I would put them in a, uh, a deeper playoff run this year. Um, so looking at those teams that were rounded up the bottom of the Atlantic standings last year, but ones that are certainly, you know, making moves toward establishing a better future for themselves. We got Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit. The pieces are kind of moving into place for those teams. Do you think any of those three have made enough moves in progress to challenge the four playoff powers for a playoff spot this season? I think Ottawa could very well either get a wild card spot. If there's five teams that come out of the division, it could be them or, or maybe even get third in the division, depending on what other struggles might happen around the division. Uh, there's just that huge sense of optimism that they actually went for players who could help now, but are still young. Um, like uh, Alex Brinkett, getting someone like him and the leadership players like Claude Giroux and just having an overall base where you, you, you went out and you got young players and you got old players, but you've got really good players that give you more depth out of nowhere um, that I really like what Ottawa did. I thought they actually played the Leafs pretty well. You know, their record was their record, but whenever they played the Leafs, they played them really well, especially in that Canadian division. It just goes under the radar if you're not watching it. And now that Battle of Ontario is going to get really interesting. Mm. Um, but Ottawa, 
I really like what they did. They've got young guys down the pipeline too that can really help and take that next step. They're they're doing the smart thing by locking up the Stutzlas and other guys to long term deals to just let the fan base know that this is the meth this is the team going forward and we're not going to have people asking to leave that this is our team and and build some real optimism. It's been quite different in the last year, so I think that can translate to knocking on the door for a playoff spot. Montreal, there's just too much going on there in the rebuild phase that it doesn't look like it's going to happen for them. And those odds that you pointed out seem to suggest that. David, um, do, do Toronto fans relish in the fact that the Canadians are awful? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know what? Like when they're not playing each other, sure. Like that's fine. <laughs> um, Montreal always still has 1967 in the cup things to, to kind of yell back at Leaf fans for. So, so there's that. But I do think, you know, one of the best hockey experiences ever, if you ever get to do it, it's Toronto and Montreal at Bell Centre mm. on a Saturday night. That is the hockey. best hockey experience in the league. And just the the energy and and, and the enthusiasm. And, and even the Toronto fans there are louder because they're not as loud at home, but they take the train and they really make their presence felt there that you want those teams to be good. Like if they're taking part in those, it's great when they're both competing for something. We were so excited when that was a playoff series uh, last year, but then when it ended the way it did, and there weren't fans in there except for Game Six, there were like a couple. There were like twenty five hundred. It had a weird feel to it. So Toronto wants Montreal fans, like Montreal, to be good when they're playing against them because it's fun to watch from an experience level. But I don't think they relish in it because Montreal just knows what to throw back in their faces, unfortunately. Well, David, we can't thank you enough for joining us today and being so generous with your time. I feel like I now have a very solid outlook on the Atlantic division. And we're going to attempt, once we let you go, we're going to attempt to give our predictions, which always go over very badly. So (laughs) um, thank you so much again for joining us. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again later in the season and see how Toronto does. appreciate you. I appreciate you both having me on. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, David, take care. I'll catch up with you at some point soon. Oh, for sure. Have a good one. Thank you, David. All right. Well, thank you again to David Alter of Sports Illustrated Media Group, Toronto Maple Leafs writer. If you're interested in following along uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs season, you can follow David on Twitter at D-Alter, A-L-T-E-R. Um, all right. So we, glasses for this. we have our whole outlook now on the Atlantic. Um, we got our rundown from someone who is there on the ground. Craig, it's time to give our predictions. All right, and I did get Petey's before he left. Okay. Petey, I hope you're actually in the air somewhere and not just and sitting not, in an airport waiting yeah. in, in a major delay. But here is Steve Peters' Atlantic Division prediction order of finish. Okay. If, at least that's, this is what I'm saying it is. Who knows if it's real. Yeah, you could just completely lie. Right yeah. Okay. So he's got the Leafs winning the division. Okay. With Florida coming in second, of course, we talked about the Matthew Kachuk addition. Tampa Bay third and Boston fourth. So he's got the same four playoff teams as last year. Sean DePaz, Buffalo Sabres are in fifth place. Mm. Uh, yeah, but we, you know, we didn't we didn't say whether they're going to make make the playoffs. No, this is just that's, that's a possibility. But yeah. this, this is just projected order of finish. We'll do playoff predictions another time. Yeah. Then he's got the Detroit Red Wings. He's got Ottawa in seventh. I'm shocked. And Montreal. In eighth place, of course, last place. Let's just call it what it is. Montreal is definitely going to be the worst team in this yeah. division. Listen, so if, if Buffalo can finish above Ottawa, I'll take it. 
I hate the Senators. They were my rival as a kid. They were mine More too. In a moment. I used to hate Daniel Alfredson as a Toronto yep. Maple Leafs Danny fan. Danny Heatley. I ooh, I'm pretty sure the first time I swore in my life was about <laughs> Danny Heatley. I'm surprised by that just because he had the exact way the standings finished last season, except for he swapped the first and second. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Go ahead with to yours. Me. Okay, so I didn't actually prepare for this, so this is off the cuff based on everything David told us. Okay. Um, But I'm going to listen to the odds makers, and I'm going to think also about the fact, you know, we saw that season that Tampa Bay had where they completely dominated the regular season and then got swept by Columbus in the postseason, and then they came back and had a strong regular season, not, you know, a record-breaking one like they did the season before, and then they, you know, made the run. I think Florida is going to have a season like that. So I don't think they're going to dominate the regular season much like they did last year. I think they're a playoff team. I think they're going to finish second in the division. I'm going to agree with the order of the first few. I'm going to go Toronto one, Florida two, Tampa three. But I'm just going to get a little crazy with it. And I'm going to put Ottawa four, Boston five. And that doesn't mean Boston's not making the playoffs. But I'm just, you know, David was very confident in Ottawa. They've made a ton of moves. And like he said with... The, the Bruins players committing very last minute. It's a coaching change. They're sure. getting older. McAvoy is injured. Like, there's just so many factors there. Um, and then we'll round that out. We'll go Buffalo, Detroit, Montreal to okay. round out the, the division. All right. Here are mine. They're remarkably similar to PD's, actually. I have the Leafs winning the division as well. Wow. So we'll be wrong because all three of us agreed. I do think Florida is going to take a step back in terms of point production, but I actually really like adding Matthew Kachuk. I think he's a playoff type of player, so I think he will help them in the postseason. So I have the Florida Panthers finishing second. I do have the the, the, the next two the same, Tampa Bay and Boston. But I got your Buffalo Sabres in fifth place in this division, and I think that they could push for a playoff spot. I think it's a possibility depending on, Don't start. on what happens in the Metro. <laughs> Don't do this to me. Here's what I'm going to say about Ottawa. The Canadian hype train is all on board Ottawa. When I talk to American reporters, national reporters, and they assess it, it's an entirely different I've been picture influenced. where they think Detroit made the better moves in the offseason than Ottawa did. I'm Detroit was not good defensively last year. They have a long way to go on that side of the puck. I do like a lot of the things that Steve Eiserman did. And I like Ottawa's system is incredible. They have a lot of good prospects. But there's so much being counted on here with the progression of the young, younger players. Stutzlaw getting better. All the younger players getting better. Claude Drew is going to be 35 years old during the season. I'm not convinced that he's going to be as good as people think he is. I'm not con- as convinced as other people that Alex DeBrincat is going to be so great away from Patrick Kane, who was the player that made him great. A lot of players look good playing alongside Patrick Kane even now. So I'm not saying Ottawa is going to be a bad team, but I'm, I'm saying slow down on the hype train and progress isn't always linear with teams. So Ottawa might not be ready to make that leap just yet. I still have them fitting, uh, finishing ahead of the Detroit Red Wings. This is going to be a brutal division, by the way. Yeah, literally the, looking at the this best division in hockey. This is the opposite those seven of the teams, Pacific division. I think those are all, I mean, some of those teams are great. All those teams, I think, will be at least good this year, except for, of course, the Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens, who will bring up the rear of this division. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, there you have it. Those are our predictions. Everybody write it down so that when Whoever gets closest, we can, you know, give ours. And if you disagree or agree in the chat right now, let us know. Let us know in the members only Discord. Let us know on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes what you think. We'll tweet out our picks a little bit later today so you can ridicule us 
um, online. Which I just want to go on the record and say that I don't think the Sabres are going to be very good because I don't believe in Craig Anderson. And I think they're going to finish second to last in the division. Or not not third to last, third to last. Above Detroit and Montreal. And I want to go against all of you and say I think the Florida Panthers are still going to win the division. Okay. We'll put Sean's picks too. So do you you want to give your whole whole do you want to do your whole thing? I can. I think it's going to be Florida Panthers too, because again, the the Toronto goalie situation worries me. Um, Toronto two, Tampa three. I think the Senators will finish above the Bruins. That might just be biased because I hate Boston. Uh, then the I mean, Bruins, too. Uh, then the Sabres, then the Leafs, then the Canadians. Okay. It's not not too crazy, but okay. a little different. The Sabres do have a lot of cap space still, so they can they, they can move in goal. If they yeah, need. but they, they, what they, their goal but situation who, right now who? is Craig Anderson, Uka Pekalukinen, or however you say his Eric name, Comrie, and too, Eric Comrie. Yeah. Yeah. Former Coyote, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> sort of. Everyone yeah. seems like a former Arizona yeah, Coyote, sort of. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, those are our predictions. We'll see what happens. We'll be doing uh, these division breakdowns every week going forward. So, again, thank you to David Alter. That was great insight from him. And we'll do this for all the divisions, give our predictions for all of the divisions because hockey season is right around the corner. I can't wait to take in some games, hopefully, uh, for peaks. But for now... There's football to be watched, and the Cardinals had their watch party yesterday at Four Peaks, and even though things are mayhem right now for ASU football, we'll still be out at Four Peaks. Sean, Shane, Totri, all of us will be there this Saturday for the official PHNX tailgate, the best tailgate in the Valley. I'll say it right now, and also... Uh, the food and drinks there are just phenomenal. So come out to the Four Peaks tailgate this Saturday to will the team on against a tough opponent. $50 gets you an all-you-can-eat buffet, two Four Peaks beers, and a free ride to the stadium. That's an unbelievable deal. Check the link in our show notes to sign up. You must be 21 or older and enjoy responsibly. I feel like mayhem is a good way to describe that football weekend that we just witnessed because... Obviously, Arizona State let go of their coach, Herm Edwards. Um, down in Tucson, fans were happy uh, about a victory, an eat-out home victory over an FCS team because, you know, Wildcat fans are happy eating trash off the street. And then the Cardinals did what the Cardinals did. They were down 20 to nothing at the half. I walked away. I was like, wow, this is just brutal. And then they had that incredible rally. So it was it was like we, we saw the gamut of experiences in Arizona football this weekend. And Leah does not like the comment I just made about the Wildcats. So I think it's it's probably time for another ad read. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> um, well, the football week isn't over. We still have the Monday night games tonight. I know Sean is excited about the Buffalo Sabres. And if you want to have some investment in these games, I would recommend checking out Underdog Fantasy um, because you can play the Pick'em game, which makes it so fun to watch football. All you have to do is look for your favorite or least favorite player stats, pick between two and five players for your Pick'em entry, and whether you'll think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that stat in this week's game. It's super, super simple. And if you get all your picks right, you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. They also offer insurance. So if you do five legs and you miss one, you can still win for having four which is great. Um, you know, that's always a, a bummer when you just miss out on one thing. I know that happened to PD. He didn't know about the insurance at the time. <laughs> um, but check out the Underdog Fantasy app. We're going to be doing stuff with it when hockey season gets going here. Um, you can search in the app store or click on the link in our show notes and sign up with the promo code PHNX. And if you do that, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code PHNX and get in 
on the action today. And if you're watching this live on YouTube right now, just scan this QR code here to download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code PHNX when you sign up to receive a deposit match up to $100. All right. Well, last thing, and I know we're live right now. If you're watching this live, the last of the Coyotes rookie faceoff games is happening as we speak, they are currently down 3 nothing to the Colorado Avalanche rookies. Midway through the third period, so it does not look like uh, Steve Pot then will we'll, we'll we'll get know to find what out the prize what the championship trophy looks like. <laughs> but Craig, I know you've been watching some of the games over the course of the weekend. So, And, and I know we talk about that it, it doesn't make or break in any way right. for if the players are going to make this roster. But just from your perspective, what are some of your takeaways um, from this weekend for the yeah, Rockies. and obviously we didn't get to watch today's game. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going all that well anyway, but just a few players. Like, I, I, again, I want to emphasize that these games are not really for evaluation. Like, scouts love to watch these games so that they compare, can compare the, their own prospects against their peers, and I get that. That's, that's valuable for them in, in terms of getting a sense of the players, but I don't think the management staffs are re- really looking at this saying, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be an NHL player. In fact, I know they're not. It's 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 really more more like orientation for these guys. These guys haven't played together. They don't know the systems. There are a lot of variables that come into play. So don't read too much into these rookie games. But a few players, obviously Connor Geek, he got on the score sheet. He showed something. And he's a he's an interesting player because he can play physically. He's big, but he's still got a skill level. So I'm really intrigued at what he might bring. Logan Cooley could couldn't play in this, of yeah. course, because he loses NCAA eligibility. <laughs> But the other two players that jumped out on me at me, uh, Ben McCartney did exactly what he did a year ago. He just sets the tone when he's out there. He's just an all-out effort kind of guy every time he's on the ice, every shift. That's what they want from him. Ben McCartney's role in the NHL is probably as a fourth-line energy guy, ceiling as a third-line guy. He's doing exactly what he needs to do to get to that place in the NHL right now. The other guy that really, really has impressed me is Jack McBain. And of course, Bill Armstrong loves him some big players. <laughs> and I could see this guy being their fourth line center, how, depending on how things shake out in camp. But when I watch these games, I'm not really focused on the points. Like people looked at Nathan Smith and he, he had a good first game, but one of his games like bounced in off another players. One of his goals did, sorry. I'm looking at more of their play away from the puck, some of the details. And Jack McBain just plays a smart game. He keeps showing up. He's making plays away from the puck. He's making good plays with the puck. Really like what I've seen from him so far. Obviously, he's got to carry it over into camp in the preseason games when you're playing against NHL caliber competition. But he's shown well in rookie in rookie camp and in, in this rookie faceoff. Absolutely. So we'll see how this translates into main camp, which starts on ice this thursday i can't believe it's already here media day is wednesday camp thursday and friday yep and we will be there so we'll have full coverage our shows thursday and friday will all be about day one and two of training camp for the coyotes and then of course we've got the games um coming up starting saturday and then sunday in tucson which will be there as well so Mm -hmm. we'll get to see um that lineup in tucson if you're coming down to tucson Come say hi to us. Grab your tickets. Um, and the best place to grab your tickets, by the way, is on the Game Time app. I would that's the place I recommend for everybody to grab tickets to any event, not just sporting events, but concerts and shows as well. Um, there's one, I think, 
one D-backs home series left this season. So get on game time and grab the tickets to that. We got Cardinals who now are all of a sudden went from ugh to being kind of exciting. And there's Cardinals tickets on the game time app too. <laughs> That's the NFL, right? Oh, week you're horrible to- the next week. Oh my God, I'm so excited about this team. Yeah. So true. And then you have six days in between to like over talk about everything. Um, But anyway, check out the Game Time app. It's the hottest new ticketing site. Makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports concerts and shows. You can save up to 60% on tickets when you buy tickets last minute. Great for the procrastinators like me. Um, And if you love PHNX, you'll love Game Time. And the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in our description. If you're watching on YouTube, Look at the description. Click the link there. If you're listening on audio, the description is in the description of this podcast. So please use that link if you're going to buy tickets on game time. I'm super excited to head down to Tucson and check it out. Check out the the Coyotes in their uh, in Arizona because it's the only preseason game they're playing Seriously, in the state. Is that so. a home game? Is that considered a home game? I, I, I guess technically it kind it of is. It's crazy when you look at their schedule, the, their preseason schedule. I'm, I'm, it's one of the things I want to ask Andre Turney is how are you going to manage this with the rosters? Yeah. Because you got to go to Boise, you got to go to Tulsa, you got to go to Wichita. They're not exactly like places that you're used to going, so you don't know what it's going to look like when you yeah. hit the ground. You gotta, you gotta manage rest, a lot of things. So, good luck to the shout coyotes out to the season. Coyotes equipment staff. Seriously, that's all I gotta say. Um, and also, if you haven't checked out Craig's stories at gophnx.com, he just published one yesterday on Julian Lutz. Yep. Did we ever get confirmation on how to say his last name? Um, Teal Fowler, the scout who found him, says Lutz when he when he talks about him. So I'm going to go with that because Teal Fowler is, lives in okay. Germany. He's coached and managed Julian there. Lutz will say. Yep. Um, if you haven't read that yet, do so at gophnx.com. Craig's going to have coverage, of course, of training camp. So become a member today. You can grab a shirt from the locker when you sign up for an annual membership. Craig and I are... We're very coordinated today in our black and mm-hmm. white, and Sean mm-hmm. is also wearing his black PHNX shirt. Yeah, so that's you, the one I still need to get. Yes, you do. Yeah. Well... Uh, head over to the PHNX Locker. Check out all of our gear there as well. And if you want to just try your first month for 50 cents, you can do a month-to-month membership as well. And join our members-only Discord. We have a ton of fun in there. We're talking um, fantasy hockey. I think Dave in the Discord. Discord, <laughs> Discord Dave. I'm sorry, he's a real person. Is um, arranging a Discord fantasy league. So if you're interested in joining that and you're not a member yet or you're a member and not in the Discord, join the Discord. It's really fun. We talk hockey all day, every day in there. Um, I think that's it for us today. Thanks again to David Alter. We'll have an audio episode tomorrow, Trade Talk Tuesday, talking about the Zabinic McCulloch trades, plural, because there were multiple of them. Um, That's Tuesday. And then a little bit of a switch up. We'll have another audio episode Wednesday, looking around the league as training camp opens. And then Thursday and Friday, we'll be live at 11 a.m. on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel to talk about training camp days one and two. So follow along. You can follow along on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Of course, follow Craig at Craig S. Morgan. You can follow me at Leah Merrill and Sean at Sean underscore DePause and PD, even though he's not here until Thursday, but at S. Peters Hockey. Hope he's having good travels <laughs> over across, across the country. Um, and follow PHNX Sports across all social platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of it. So thank you all so much for watching. Thanks for chiming in in the live chat. And we'll see everyone tomorrow.